Hello, everybody. I'm Daniel Hines, the author of Stories Podcast, and one of the players here on Stories RPG. And I'm here with Michael Lowe. Say hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. Uh, yeah, you y'all know me. <laughs> and we are here with another episode of Right Light, kind of like a nightlight, but you know, shining a little glow on all the things that make <laughs> writing fun and interesting, and you know, help you get at it. Yeah, Right Light, where we shine a light on all the different bits and bobs and the mechanics that help us tell stories better together. All right, today we're going over Pixar's Rules of Storytelling. Um, these were originally put out there by Emma Coates, one of Pixar's story artists. Um, there's 22 of these, so we're going to do probably 11 today and 11 next time, just because, you know, we want to be able to talk about each one as we go through to see what we think of them and see how they can apply to, you know, playing the game, making characters and, you know, kind of making your own stories at home. Let's get started. I'm always excited to talk story, so I'm always down to think about how different people think about stories because everybody's got different strategies and approaches, and you can always learn new things by looking at different people's goodies. So I, there's so many here that I, I, I'm looking at the list now. So number one, you admire a character for trying more than for their successes. I mean, that for me is 100% drive and downfall. You have to have something that pushes you, and that's going to make you you know, sympathetic, somebody that you care about. Jillian Jays really, really wants to be the leader of the Guardians and to take care of the city. Um, also, the downfall, boy, if you're not sympathetic, if you're not messy, if you're trying and succeeding every time, you're boring. If you're trying and you're failing, that feels a lot more like real life. And that's a character who feels like it could be you. And all of us love to feel connected to characters. I 100% agree with law number one. But yeah, so one, you admire a character more for trying than for the successes. I think that's true. And just, you know, keep that in mind when you're writing your own stories. You don't need your characters to win constantly. You need them to be moving in a good direction. You need them to be following a goal. And you need them to be sort of dynamic, like real life people. Because real life people, uh, Lord knows we don't win all the time. No, not at all. Okay, number two. Keep in mind what's interesting to you as an audience, not what's fun for you as a writer. Oh, wow. Like this one hits me on multiple levels. Um, you might notice that in the show, I often stop and say, what do you all want to do? Do you want to go this way or that way? Would you like to play a scene in which we do this or a scene in which we do that? One of the reasons I do that is it's it's kind of one of the fun elements of story game uh, storytelling that you get to collaborate with your audience. You get to be the audience and all be authors at the same time. So there's this great ability you have to sort of pause things and say, all right, audience, what are we doing? What would be cool here? And I think when you're writing a story without the benefit of a, a crew to help you out, you absolutely want to write like a reader. You wanna write for things that would be interesting and fun. Oftentimes when people start writing stories, especially when they have like a really compelling idea that they're really into, they will completely forget that their audience doesn't have all the same information that they do. So they'll skip information. They won't describe things in a way that make the reader see them. So they'll forget visual descriptions. They'll forget to even set the scene. Where are we? What's happening? And as a result, 
readers can get very quickly confused or lost or bored. So you always need to think about your writing from a reader's perspective. What are people reading gonna gonna feel? What are how are they gonna be able to understand this? Yeah, it's easy to miss scene setting because as the writer, you generally have thought about the scene you're writing many, many times. The setting is kind of old news to you often by the time you get it on the page. Like you might be picturing this enchanted wood or this beautiful castle or this towering skyscraper and you see it down to every nut and bolt. But then because you see it so well, you forget to relay it to the reader. So that's a, that's a good one to know. Absolutely. Okay, I'll do three. It's trying for theme is important. You can't always see it when you start, but when you're at the end, it'll becomes clearer. Now you rewrite. Yeah, I I don't know. I think first it's important to to talk about theme because I always think of theme as being kind of a silly word. <laughs> it sounds more confusing or mysterious than it is. I think of theme as being a combination of your message in the story and the feels of the story. How does the story feel when you're watching it? Is it a is it a sad story? Is it a happy story? Is it funny? Is it is it lighthearted? Is it dramatic? And then also the message, right? Is it about considering what it means to be family or figuring out your own power as an individual or the responsibility of having great power? So I'd, I'd say those two things for me are theme, the feels of your story and also the message of your story. And I 100% agree that oftentimes when you start telling a story, you have to kind of be flexible. You want to let your characters react to the situations and behave the way that they would behave, say the things that make sense to them. And what will happen is as they do that, you'll start to, to get that theme coming through. You'll start to understand we're really talking about this big idea and it feels this kind of way. Yeah, I think that's true of theme. And I think you definitely, especially in longer works, you kind of find it as you go. And then coming back and doing the second draft is huge. This is actually a big rule of uh, Stephen King's, who obviously writes a lot of adult horror, but he has a great, um, more young adult novel called Eyes of the Dragon. I would recommend to anybody out there. Oh, such a classic. Eyes of the Dragon, great one for kids. A little violent in the way fairy tales can be violent, but but a very good book. But he has the same rule where he has a vague idea what he's going, but it's only once you kind of get through the story and have the characters evolve throughout it. And when you get to the end, kind of looking back, the road is a lot clearer. And then that second draft, getting the words down the first time is more fun sometimes, but that second draft is really where you're going to polish up your writing. And it's important to do. And I think it's important to give yourself a few days or weeks or whatever off between drafts, let it sit a little bit. So you kind of come back with those fresh eyes. Absolutely. And I have a rule that I often tell my my students in my classes. I say, listen, there is no, never a race. Never, ever a race. Here's what you do. If you don't like something that you want to cut out of a second draft, just, just cut it out and drop it on a blank page, a couple pages down. I call that the graveyard. And I say, yeah, you can go put things in the dump or the graveyard, call it whichever you like. Because sometimes you never know when, You'll be doing a rewrite and you'll be like, wait, something that I, I threw away, now it's come back to me and it's going to fit in this draft. For me, this, this whole idea of don't decide your theme ahead of time, let your theme come to you as you tell the story, I think it points out something really important that we've been doing in the game. So Giga City Guardians, I had some ideas about where I wanted things to go. I had some plans. I had characters. I had plots. But really, it was about how you all decided you wanted to tell the story and how each situation resolved that brought us the real feels. Those feels were honest because 
you sort of chose the ones you wanted to lean into. So it became much more about how do you figure out how to negotiate public identity and private personality? And also it became about this question of how do you negotiate you know, people's misunderstandings between groups and what does family mean? You know, where bears got that connection to the rest of the Giga City Guardians? That became a big theme. I wasn't planning on that, but it's he's clearly become part of the glue that brings the team together. So there's a lot of those themes that sort of became stronger as we played because of the choices we made together in the scenes. We set the scenes up and then we let them play out. And that showed us the sort of story we were telling. All right. Number four is once upon a time, there was blank every day, blank one day, blank because of that blank, because of that blank until finally blank. I would distill this one down into basically you want your stories to be because of, because of, because of between events you don't want. And then, and then, and then you want uh, this rule is about causality, right? You know, that's interesting because the minute I read this, I thought of a rule from storytelling from Chinese stories and Japanese stories, it's it's throughout a large portion of the world. It's called Kisho Tenketsu. And it's uh it's just a simple four-act structure for stories. And I think this follows it. Ki means intro. Set the scene, set it up. Show means develop. That means build it out, make it feel more complete. And then there's ten. Ten is the twist. It's the oh no, something weird or surprising or different happened. And then there's ketsu, that's resolution. Here's what happened because of that. And you can kind of like, chapter books often go in this arc again and again, right? They'll introduce something, develop it a little, there'll be a surprising twist, and then they'll resolve it or they'll make the resolution be the new hook for the next the next story. You know, once upon a time there was blank, every day blank. Those two are intro. You're setting up what's normal. There's a, there's a character, there's a situation, there's a scene. Every day this happened, we're, we're establishing what the norm is. One day, blank. This is the twist, right? Something weird or strange happened. The because of that, because of that, are the like exploration of the resolution, right? And then until finally, that's where you put a period on it. Yeah, that's a great structure. And I think really the key to take away from this one is that when you are writing a story that's multiple scenes, anything that's even slightly longer, or when you're playing a game like Giga City, you don't want to bounce from scene to scene with the and then. You don't want to be like, that happened, okay, moving on to this next thing. You want to be able to say that happened, and because of that, this next thing is happening. You want the flow. You want every scene to feel consequential in that way, and that's a great way to think about it, to kind of keep the story moving and keep every scene feeling relevant and the story really driving ahead. So number five I love... Uh, and in fact, I have a very direct re- relationship with number five in my classes. So number five says, simplify, focus, combine characters, hop over detours. You'll feel like you're losing valuable stuff, but it sets you free. Here's something I notice. Um, some writers, not all writers, some writers get lost in their own details. As an example, I have a student who is a longtime student and amazing at telling stories. And they have a very uh, expansive a- approach to character building. They write their own character, and then very quickly, they write an entire posse of characters who are related to them. And they end up with some unbelievable number of characters in our stories. 10, 20 different characters, family members, friends, you know, different groups. And it's literally impossible for a reader 
to focus on that many people. Generally speaking in a story, you can only focus on a handful of characters at best. Um, I don't like to get above four, maybe five, who are really core, core central characters who are getting the attention in any given scene. More than that, and it's just hard to keep up. It's hard to keep track. So simplifying your story and focusing each scene on the most important thing happening, the most important people in that scene, and combining some of those characters, it's always a good idea. Yeah, you definitely want to combine characters. And I'll speak to the second part, which is um, hop over detours, which is like sometimes you feel like you got to get characters from point A to point B. And then sometimes you'll overwrite that transition. And sometimes you don't have to. Sometimes... You know, like taking a wagon to to the capital city can just be one sentence. You know what I mean? If it's not interesting, don't focus your lens there. Think like a movie director, right? Only shoot the stuff you want in the story. And general rule of thumb for this is if you're not excited to write it, people aren't going to be excited to read it. Ooh, so true. So if you're writing what you feel is filler, it probably is filler. So don't be afraid to skip that stuff both, you know, in the game or in your own personal writing, just, you know, as long as you're maintaining like a clarity, if there's like a through line, as long as readers can follow where you're going and where you've been, you're, you'll be totally fine. And I'll add, you know, for first drafts, never hesitate to just write the scenes from the plot line you've got in mind, write the scenes you want to write. And then you can go back and decide what the other scenes you want to write are later. But if you write the stuff you're really into, generally the story can take shape around that. Don't worry about writing in order. If you don't want to write in order, write out of order. Write the stuff that matters. Write the stuff that's fun. And speaking to that is the uh, next rule, which is six. What is your character good at or comfortable with? Throw Mm. the polar opposite at them. Challenge them. How do they deal? This is such a good one. Oh, This is one of the reasons I love using story games. Because one of the hardest things as an author sometimes to do You can be kind of, you know, committed to your characters. You can care about them. So sometimes challenging them or really roughing them up and putting them in a situation that's really frustrating for them can be difficult for you to imagine. And sometimes you won't want to. One of the great things and one of the biggest jobs you can do as a storyteller in a game like Stories RPG is to find ways that not just your characters, but your players feel challenged. And you don't want to do it in a mean way or an aggressive way. You always want to use the X card and ask people if they're comfortable with the storylines you're giving them, but it can create such wonderfully powerful and emotionally engaging scenes when you push buttons. I had the loveliest moment um, at the end of our last episode where uh, Amanda said to me, like, I feel like you not only keep doing things that would bother Jillian but I feel like you kind of understand me as a player and you've been giving me these plot lines and these characters like Ellipsis who's smarmy and smug and talks down to, to Jillian. And that, and Amanda said, you know, I kind of feel like Ellipsis is perfectly designed to annoy me. And that's one of the reasons I really enjoy really being frustrated with him in the story and sort of pushing back. And I felt very proud uh, and very complimented by that. Because it absolutely is the way to tell it. You know, it's one of the great skills you can have as a storyteller. And feeling seen for that felt very, uh, very rewarding for me. Yeah. Um, frustrated characters, imperfect characters. They're interesting characters. 
there might be a book of somebody who's perfectly content sitting in their kitchen for 400 pages, but I haven't read it, you know? Yeah. You gotta have some tension there and you gotta make their lives a little bit worse so that they can get a lot bit better, you know? All right. So then we have number seven, come up with your ending before you figure out your middle. Seriously. Endings are hard. Get yours working up front. Ooh, I don't know. I might, I might fight against this one. Oh, really? I find it's true. What are you, what are you thinking? Well, so I think this is one of those differences between classic writing and story games. In story games, uh, we often use the, the, the line play to find out. You don't necessarily play through a scene because you know what's going to happen. You play through a scene to be surprised by what's going to happen. And figuring out what happens next and how things resolve is this wonderful collaborative process of, of, of both getting surprised by roles, but also sometimes getting surprised by where the plot's going. If you think back to number three, the conversation we were having about trying for theme is important, but you won't see what the story is actually about until you're at the end of it. I feel like that's a really important sort of counterpoint. You don't have to know the ending. If you're playing to find out, sometimes the ending will come to you. I often create surprise connections in in the stories that I'm telling that I didn't initially plan when I'm story gaming with friends because I realized there's an opportunity there. Like there's a couple things I wasn't planning in Giga City that became like, oh, you know what? It's going to be this character. Or you know what? I think this is going to happen that got inspired by what was occurring in the scenes. So I don't think you always have to know exactly what the ending's going to be. Sometimes you can write to sort of see where it's going. Yeah, I think that's more true in the game, right? Because the game, you're sharing agency with the players. You're sharing writing duty with the players. Um, So definitely you don't want to have a hard ending in mind because then that sort of, you already know where it's going, then the players' actions don't mean anything and the game kind of falls apart. So I definitely agree there. I think if you're writing for your own self or you're writing short stories or books on your own, I think having an ending in mind is a good thing to have. Maybe it does not the specific ending and the particulars can change, but you want to know like, here's basically what I'm working to. Like, here's the final showdown. Yeah. Like, I don't have all the themes yet, but if it starts here and ends here, like, what's the best path, you know? I, I, you know what? I see what you're saying and I agree with you. I do have, even in Giga City, I've got some ideas of the big moments that are going to occur and some of the the really important interactions that might happen. Um, I guess I'm not always certain how they're going to turn out. And even when I'm writing for myself, I won't lie. Sometimes I'll roll a die to inject a little surprise for me as a writer, because it can be a lot of fun to say, okay, well, what if it went this way? And say, all right, let me try and write it that way. Um, so I totally see what you mean. And, and having the scope and the, the idea of where you're headed, always a good idea. Yeah. And it's not major things. So like spoilers for the Firefly series, if anybody listening to this hasn't listened to that, which you probably should have. Um, <laughs> It'll help. Like, for instance, I didn't know exactly how Firefly was going to end when I set out, but I knew Scarlet King was her grandmother. I knew Firefly was her grandfather. I knew these reveals were going to happen at roughly these times and exactly how it played out. I didn't know, but I knew those big beats and I knew the kind of final reveal and that sort of stuff is a really just great kind of anchor points scattered throughout other, other stuff that can sort of still be shifting, but you want some solid ground here and there to be able to land on. I think totally fair. I knew about sister Rose and I knew about giga city gold. There were a lot of things that, you know, they were there for you. Yeah. It's a mix, right? Yeah. 
if you knew everything that happened before you put anything down, you know, I mean, that, that takes some of the fun out of writing. You know what I mean? You want to be surprised by writing and you want to have little ideas that you kind of like as you go, a turn of phrase you like that comes back and ends up having a bigger effect. I mean, that's sort of the joy in getting the words down on the page. So you don't want to take that away from yourself completely. And, you know, that goes with number eight. So number eight is finish your story. Let go even if it's not perfect. In an ideal world, you have both, but move on. Do better next time. My mom is a professor. And when you study to be a professor, you write this giant research paper called a thesis, which is a lot of work. It's really hard. And uh, she always used to tell me, at first, it's your thesis. And then it's your rassafracken thesis. And then it's your gosh dang ding dong, etc. And then she says, the last step is put a bow on it. And what she means is there is no such thing as a finished story. There are only stories that have been abandoned. At some point, you have to make your peace with the fact that you can't write a perfect story. So go ahead, put a bow on it, finish it, end it somewhere. And if you, you may end up coming back to it and surprising yourself and being like, oh, look at this. I want to re- I want to mess with this some more. But you don't, you don't want to leave it half finished. Go ahead, put an end to it, and then you can come back some other time and mess with it later if you want. There's a famous saying, I believe it's uh, Voltaire way back then. It's like a, a philosopher saying, basically it goes, perfect is the enemy of good. Meaning if you're trying to get something perfect always, it's, it's, you're never going to finish it because perfect isn't something that in general we can achieve. It just isn't, you know? And if you beat your head against the rocks, trying to make your work perfect, then all you'll do is you'll never finish it and you'll never grow and you'll never, you'll never kind of progress. Right. So there's a, another great quote by, uh, Ira Glass who does this American life. And to paraphrase, it is basically when you start out any kind of creative work, whether it's writing or game designing or even playing a game, you know what you like. And you know what good is because you know what you like. Like You've seen great examples of it. You have favorite books. You have favorite movies. You know what a good story looks like. And and when you first start, your taste is going to be better than your ability to execute that. So if you're you're not going to live up to your own standards at first, and that's true for everybody. And the only way to raise your ability to your own standards is to by moving through a body of work. Like, so you have to write stuff start to finish and be willing to move on to the next thing and the next thing. And just know in the back of your mind, you can always come back to that first thing when you're more skilled, but don't hold anything too precious at first. Oftentimes we're so judgmental that we never get a chance. We forget to have fun. You're going to be the best at things that you have fun doing. If you feel like doing something is torture, you're going to stop doing it. Um, There's a reason I never learned to play basketball And it's that I never enjoyed playing basketball. And if I had ever enjoyed playing basketball, I probably would have done a lot more practicing. The same thing's true of writing. And it's one of the reasons I started teaching writing using story games. You want to remember that even the practice, the imperfect, messy, awkward practice of telling stories is heck of fun. Play to find out, mess around with your characters, do interesting things. Um, And so I think, yeah, the key is you can always come back. You can play around with it later. Don't forget your joy in the, in the imperfection of, of the now. Yeah. Like I'm trying to teach writing courses up here and for, for adults or for kids, it doesn't really matter. I mean, my first tenant is going to be just write something and finish something every week. You know what I mean? Start short, start with a two page story that has a beginning, middle and end. It can be very short. You don't have to show anybody. There's nothing to be embarrassed of, Mm -hmm. but you need to start 
move through and finish work to improve at pretty much anything. And writing is no exception. Amen to that. All right. So when you're stuck, rule nine, make a list of what wouldn't happen next. Lots of times the material to get you unstuck will show up. Oh, I like this. This is a, this is a nice one. This is a fun one. You know, if you know what won't happen, then you, you can see what might. Yeah. So examples of this. So in stories, RPG and the giga city thing, like for instance, when I'm playing ape, I know ape isn't going to have a big emotional appeal. I know he's not going to just turn and give up. I know like there's just some obvious things that are out of character that you can always just kind of eliminate. You know what I mean? And when you knock that stuff out, you're sort of left with like, oh, okay. So if I know he's not going to have this big emotional appeal, maybe he's going to try to break the tension with a joke. And if I know he's not going to give up, then how can he press forward in a way that is on brand, you know? But you can probably speak more to that as the storyteller there. Oh, well, yeah, no, I love that. That's actually an excellent example. Um, For me, I think about triumphs and troubles. So one thing that we do in Stories RPG that's different from a lot of different games is we talk about the outcome of a role. So when we roll, you know, if, if somebody gets, for example, okay, you got a triumph and a trouble. Okay, well, what would be a trouble that would make sense happening as a result of what you tried doing? So here's an example. When Firefly was zorching megapedes left and right uh, during that megapede assault on the uh, the sort of foothills of Giga City, when Amanda rolled, she got triumph with a trouble. So did she succeed at blasting a bunch of megapedes? Absolutely, she did. She managed to scare off some and 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 zorch the others and save people. However, there was a trouble, and we had to think about you know what wouldn't happen. There's definitely a list of things we know wouldn't happen as a result of her fighting with megapedes. Um, she's fighting with megapedes and, uh, example, a, a meteor hits. That's unrelated, right? We want something that would be directly related to her encountering the megapedes. So we added that, that megapede bite where she lost a heart and it gave us also this nice theme of, okay, she's got this infection. What's, what's up with the megapede bite? But by talking about what wouldn't happen and, and what would make sense to have happen as a result of that role, we got to create a more interesting story and even a new plot line. I wasn't planning initially to have her infected with anything. I was excited about that. And then so next, uh, I think is true for everybody and every medium you want to work in, and it is pull apart the stories you like. What you like in the stories is a part of you. You've got to recognize it before you can use it. Oh, and that, so really true. what it is saying is, yeah. Take, what, take what you like and break it down into parts and see kind of why you like it and see what you can take from that and put into your own work, right? So yeah, I think this goes back to what you were saying earlier about just write, write, write. You know, write as much as you can, tell as many stories as you can. I know that over the course of being a storyteller uh, with, with a bunch of different groups of players and also somebody who writes, I've found out a lot about why I like my favorite stories. Um, and what themes I like as a storyteller. And now as a result, I definitely have a strong sense of what I want to see happen in stories and what I'm less interested in exploring. And it means my stories have a strong feel to them. You can tell when I'm involved in storytelling because there are certain things that will show up. I love, love endless libraries and sort of unlocking secrets by doing research. I really love stories about identity. I like stories where right and wrong are something the main characters have to think about a lot. 
where they might assume they're always in the right, but then they have to find out that maybe maybe they're not living up to the values they think that they have. So those are all things I know because I've looked at a lot of the stories I'm fondest of, um, a lot of my favorite writers. Those are all things that I see in the stories that I'm really fond of. Yeah. So next time you're reading a book you really like or watching a movie or show you really like, maybe just jot down some ideas or some story beats that really hit you well. And, you know, think about how you could use those with your own character in your own game. Or if you're running a game, you know, scenes that you could set up for your players or if you're writing for yourself, just kind of what you like and kind of make it your own. Put a little spin on it. Yeah. Even as a player, you're always welcome to make up a scene. That's the other fun thing. You don't always have to be the storyteller by yourself when you're playing a game. You can share it with uh, everybody at the table and find out what they're into thematically in stories, what parts of stories they like best. Last one for today, number 11, putting it on paper lets you start fixing it. If it stays in your head, a perfect idea, you'll never share it with anyone. Now we sort of went over this, but the big part I think is putting it on paper, right? Don't keep it in your head. Yeah. Uh, My thing is write, 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 and then also have fun with it. Those two things are really important. That's one of the reasons I keep going back to storytelling games. But if you're writing, make sure you have somebody to to share it with. Because that's the thing. It's harder to put things on paper if you don't know somebody's going to read it. So put things on paper. If you can't write it down or play through it, then you can't really figure out what you want to do with it. It'll never be real. It'll never be something you can share. And really, that's the key. Stories Stories exist to be told. Stories want to be told. If you have a story inside of you, then then that's a story that's asking for you to tell it to someone else. It's begging to be put into the world and into other people's minds. And that's one of the things I love so much about stories is they're a way of communicating who you are, what matters to you, your experience of life, how you value things that that no other medium really really can convey. Stories communicate on so many different levels. So yeah, put it on paper, write something down, play a game with friends where you bring that story to life. Do the business of having fun with your stories and that'll allow you to to keep improving and and also to see what you've written and come back to it sometimes. Yeah, it's like uh, that classic thing, you know, the story, it, it feels safe in your head and it feels very controlled in your head. But it's like, you know, ships are safe in harbor. That's not what ships are built for, right? There it it's is. Like, it can be fun to ruminate on a story, which is to sort of think about over and over is what that word means. Uh, you know, you're telling it to yourself and you're tweaking it yourself and it's just fun to have for yourself. But it's there's so much more joy in getting it out there. And it can be daunting to start, but truly, if we can tell you any one thing, it's like to just start. Like start writing. It can only be good. Yeah. You know what I mean, you'll get better. Maybe you'll be great to start, like, but there's no way to know and there's no improving and there's no seeing, there's no nothing until you start actually putting it down. You know, I mentioned earlier how Amanda appreciated when I wrote some plot lines and some characters that really got her into the story. That's an amazing feeling is when you tell a story and your audience appreciates it. Such a great feeling. And sharing that with friends, family, the people you love, even strangers can be really compelling and moving. All right. So that's the first 11 of our Pixar's 22 guidelines for storytelling. Yeah. These are lots of fun. Thank you for bringing these up, Dan. These are great. Yeah. We'll come back next week with the next 11 and see how those go. But for uh, today, that's all. And um, yeah, get, get writing, guys.
Go out there and tell stories, y'all. Go play a game. Go write a story. Go have fun with it. Much love and take care. We'll see you next time. And remember, if you'd like to check out some of the games and play them at home, read some of our stories and make some of your own, check us out on patreon.com backslash stories RPG to download a whole bunch of amazing games that'll keep you going for hours and hours. Yep, and storiesrpg.com has a bunch of free stuff, all the quick start rules. Everything you need to play is free at storiesrpg.com. And the Patreon has the expanded stuff. It has the books. But if you just want to take a quick crack at it, storiesrpg.com is there for you. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for joining us for another Right Light. And we'll see you next week for the next episode of Giga City Guardians. Bye. Bye.